Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1. We'll read the first verse of this passage of scripture where the writer is laying out some foundational truths. And so tonight we are going to teach on some of those foundational truths. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1 reads this way. Therefore, leaving the principles, everyone say principles. Amen. Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. And then he points out what the principles of Christ are. And the first one that he says here is not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. And then the second one, and of faith toward God. And then he continues on in verse number two and verse number three. So there's some foundational things that he's pointing out here in which he says we are to not lay again the same foundation, meaning that it is in fact a foundation and there's layers to that foundation. And, and, and once we lay that foundation and that becomes a strength in our life that God has called us to move beyond that into greater things. Praise God. Everybody say greater things. Amen. God's got greater things for you. Amen. Wherever you may be here, God's got greater things for you. And that's just the way that it works. Even if God's doing great things in your life, there are greater things that can be had because there is no depth to how great he is. Amen. And we rest in him. Praise God. We are great because of him. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and thank God for that greatness and goodness. Praise God. Praise God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Praise God. So we want to take a look at this first one. And I want to speak to you for a few moments tonight on dead works, dead works, specifically not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. But for the sake of a title, we want to talk about dead works tonight. Everyone say dead. Amen. Dead works. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nudge your neighbor and tell them you are alive. Yes, you are alive and well. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. You're not dead. We want to go on from dead works and produce something else. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you and praise you for your word. And we ask that you would strengthen us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So the writer here, now this is traditionally, Hebrews is traditionally uh, connected with the authorship is connected to Paul. There's some debate about that because there's nothing in it that, that declares who the author was. When in most of Paul's epistles, he says something in the beginning about who he is and who he's writing to. But traditionally, it's attributed to uh, Paul. Nevertheless, whoever it may be, the writer here is laying out some things that are very, very important about the doctrine of Christ, things that are foundational in our lives and he says that we should go on unto perfection. Perfection there meaning not, not a state in which you are perfect in, in a, a, uh, a category in terms of some kind of percentage, but a perfection in which we are complete. We have everything that we need to function and do what God has called us to do. And so we're going, we are supposed to go unto perfection. We're to be complete in him. And Hebrews chapter 6 lays out some foundational doctrines underlying that path. And repentance from dead works is one of those layers of the foundation. Repentance is actually the first step of action that we take towards salvation from sin. Repentance is a key component of that. Repentance is a mental belief or faith 
that has to precede repentance. There has to be something in our life that says I'm going to trust or I'm going to have faith in that. That precedes that. That is what belief is, and it precedes repentance. But repentance is an action. Repentance is an action-filled step that is known to God. It's known to us. It's known to others. Sometimes it is private, and often it is a public step that brings about positive results in our life. Never, ever discount someone that steps out of their pew and walks to the front and lifts their hands because that in and of itself is an action of repentance, stepping out and saying, I'm going to put this into action personally. It may be in a public setting, but it is a step toward positive results in that person's life. Amen. Sometimes we have opportunity to make this entire sanctuary an altar place, and that's great. The Holy Ghost moves all around this building. But there is something to be said about a person that steps out because of faith and moves because of belief and says, you know what? I want something different in my life. I want it to preserve to produce positive results in my life, and therefore I'm going to come to God in repentance. Amen. Repentance produces results. We have a sinful nature, and we have committed sinful acts, and therefore it is essential that we repent and we return to God. Praise God. We should not be separated from God. We should not be removed from God, and sin severs and breaks. Hallelujah. But thanks be to God, there's a God that knows how to draw us because of Calvary and the work of the cross, and we don't have to be separated from him. Amen. Repentance produces results. And so if we're going to get deeper into what repentance is, the Bible uses two words for repentance, and one of them is used 24 times, and its verbal form is used another 34 times, and that has to do with an action or with a change. It means a change of mind. It means a change of heart. It is a turnaround. It's a walking away from some things uh, like sin. And then there is another word that is only used six times. And they generally mean the same thing except for the lesser used one is just a change of mind. And so where one uh, version of repentance is a change of action, and it's, it's working and producing things that produce positive results. The lesser one is just a change of mind. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 10, you get both of these words when Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about a letter that he had to write them. And he told them that he did not have a change of mind about the letter, although he regretted that he had to write it. So right there is, is one of the lesser versions of repentance that is used in the New Testament. Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse number eight. Let's read this because we can see both facets of this word repentance. For though I made you sorry with the letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle that made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us and nothing, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Merely feeling sorry for or regretting something that we have done wrong is not repentance from dead works. 
we must have more than a feeling of sorrow in order to be saved. It's not just a worldly sorrow, but it is a godly sorrow. I'm, a, a worldly sorrow is I'm upset because I got caught. A godly sorrow is I want to change the behavior. I want repentance to produce action in my life. Amen. So a godly sorrow is a deeply felt attitude that produces a change of mind and that produces a change of direction. Many people feel sorrowful and regretful when they're caught or exposed. This is not repentance because nothing changes. True repentance changes things. True repentance produces result in the life of an individual. Praise God. Judas repented, but his repentance was only regret. It was not a change of heart and mind. Mind. It was just regret. God repented in Genesis chapter number six, but in that context, he was grieved that he made humans, but there was no change of mind. Parents may discipline their children and feel sorry that they had to do so, but there's no change of mind or opinion on the matter. True repentance moves us deeper. It causes a change. It produces results. Praise God. I'm talking about godly sorrow. God Godly repentance. Amen. It's very, very important that we continue to preach. When God draws you, there are some things that you have to repent of and walk away from and leave behind you and go in a different direction because God wants to produce fruit in your life. And that action of change, hallelujah, alters your entire life. Thank God that I found an altar of repentance. Thank God I lifted up my hands in repentance because it changed me. Praise God. Amen. Not many churches nowadays are preaching repentance. They preach a confession. There's a statement that is made, but repentance is more than just a statement. Repentance is more than just a confession. It is a deep-rooted action that says, I am turning from an old life. I'm turning from that dysfunction and that miry clay, and I'm stepping toward what God has for me. Oh, I want to preach to somebody. God has something good for you. Hallelujah. There are things that God wants to produce in your life that is full of blessing but in order to get into the realm of blessing and the favor of God you got to walk away from some things you got to turn around and go a different direction from some things and true repentance produces that hallelujah true repentance produces that amen we've, we've already dug enough here tonight to see that there's some valuable treasure right there understanding what repentance is it is an action. It is not feeling sorrowful. Praise God, there's a ball right there. The world came rolling right down the aisle and is now in the well. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Miguel. Take that back to the... <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So uh, repentance is it's something that's action. It's a godly sorrow that produces something. And that's just, just digging a little bit under the surface, and we're already seeing there is a richness and a depth in a conversation that has to do with repentance. And in this passage of scripture, the writer said, we should leave, we should, let's read it. He said, 
in our opening text that we should go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead work. So repentance from dead work is, is a foundational thing. He wasn't marginalizing that. He was saying that is a principle that is foundational. Repentance from dead works means turning from, repenting of, and changing our minds about the works or actions that produce spiritual death or separation from God in our lives. Amen. So we need to unpack that because that is what repentance is. It's a changing of mind. It's a changing of heart. It's a changing of attitude. It's walking away from works or actions that produce spiritual death. And so when you unpack that, you recognize that there are some things very significant about dead works. Everyone say dead works. That's what we're preaching about here tonight. So when you unpack that, here is what you get. And this is based on scripture. So we're not going to read every single one of these scriptures. If you're taking notes, I will slow down just enough to where you can jot down the reference. And then you can read this yourself. But sin enters into the world by one man and death by sin. And that is a physical death and a spiritual death. That is found in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Sin enters into the world through Adam. It produces a physical. He doesn't die immediately, but he does die. So there is a physical death, and there is a spiritual death that is caused. There is a severing between God and humanity, and it happens in the beginning by one man, Romans chapter 5. Sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. Death, James chapter 1 and verse number 15. When sin is employed in situations and lives, the end result is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Death is going to come upon an individual that finds themselves in the the in captured enslavement and domination of sin and there are wages of sin that are paid out and doled out and at the end of that Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 it is death. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 21 tells us that the works of the flesh will produce spiritual death. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm in the house of God tonight because I don't want I don't want spiritual death. I want spiritual life. Amen. And the works of the flesh will produce spiritual death. We who were dead in trespasses and sins, God has quickened us. So if you're dead in sin, the only way that you can get out of sin, the only way you can get out of the wages of sin, the only way that you can get out of the death of sin is if there is something that happens in your life and God quickens you or he makes you alive. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 tells us that God hath quickened us out of our sins and trespasses. Praise God. Before repentance and before a work of God, I was dead. Amen. My, the wages of sin upon my life were leading me to death. It was a spiritual death. But thanks be to God, God quickened me or he made me alive. There are a lot of people walking around in our world that are breathing but they are dead spiritually amen we come to the house of God and we are alive spiritually because God hath quickened us this is why we're not in a dead church we're in an alive church because of the quickening power of the Holy Ghost are you thankful that God picked you out of your death situation and he quickened you 
Hallelujah. How does he do that? God quickens us who were dead in sin. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. How does he do that? It's because in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 14, the scripture says that the blood of Christ purges our conscience from dead works. And so God does a rich work. He quickens us. He purges our conscience from dead works. We're not thinking about dead works anymore. We're thinking about the life that is in Christ Jesus. And it's much, much better than the dysfunction of sin. Amen. Thank God that he pulled you out of addictions and struggles and all kinds of difficulties. Hallelujah. And Calvary quickened you. The blood of Calvary quickened you and made you alive. Praise God. I want to know, is there anybody in this place here tonight that is alive? You're not dead anymore because God has quickened you to sit together in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Repentance from dead works. That is significant. That is important. And that's serious. Amen. Nudge your neighbor and tell them this is serious. This is serious business. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 9, when Paul's talking about godly sorrow and worldly sorrow, look at some of the elements of how the Corinthian church showed Paul and the church that they truly had repented. There's seven things that he said. I mean, this is, they really... And, and Paul was so thankful and grateful because they really, really considered what he wrote and they responded in a proper manner. He said this. He said, what carefulness this godly sorrow produced. Everyone say carefulness. Huh. What carefulness, meaning that there was a watchfulness lest they would sin. I'm being careful about what I'm doing. So repentance has an element of carefulness to it. What clearing Everyone say clearing. Clearing of yourselves. Freeing yourself of guilt. Did you know that people that walk around with a burden of guilt, that is, guilt is a, guilt is a monster. Guilt is something that, that has a debt-to-debtor relationship. And you, you can never seem to get your head up because of guilt that dogs your, your trail. And then along comes shame with it. And so in this passage of scripture, Paul said, what clearing you freed yourself from the guilt that was upon you. What indignation, number three, indignation. What indignation, meaning that there was a hatred of sin, that you recognize, okay, what we did and what we got involved in and, and, and what we were glorifying, we, we've had a change of heart and attitude and now we recognize that it is something so harmful that we abhor that, we hate that. There's an indignation. So you were careful. You cleared yourself. There was indignation. Number four, what fear? You had a fear of God and you had a fear of sin's result. You know, I, I fear the judge. I'm thankful for the mercy of God, but I fear the judgment of God and the justice of God. And you have to have both. There's a balance between God's judgment and justice and his mercy. And I'm thankful for his mercy, but if you don't have his judgment, you can't understand his mercy. And I, I thank God for his mercy, but I fear his judgment. I don't want his judgment upon my life. I want his blessing upon my life. I don't want the hand of God on my life in that way in judgment. I want the favor of God in my life. And so therefore it produces a fear in my life. Not only a fear of God, but a fear of the results of sin. What it produces. 
So there was a carefulness, there was a clearing, there was indignation, there was fear. Number five, vehement desire. In other words, you wanted to be righteous and you wanted to obey God's word. And so there was a desire. Number six, zeal. What zeal in working for God and his cause. And then lastly, this is amazing. He said, what revenge in the sense of acknowledging justice and the punishment of sin. You had a revenge on what was wrong. And so repentance, this is a, a, a deep dive here. Paul is saying to what is godly sorrow. This is what true repentance is. Repent, this repentance, ladies and gentlemen, is not just feeling sorry for something. This is much deeper than that. Praise God. This examines the whole thing. Look at the whole picture and says, I truly want God to produce results in my life. And I'm not just sorry for it or about it. Amen. This is true repentance. Sin, as we can see, works not only in a physical death in our lives, but a spiritual death as well. And salvation brings life to the soul now and eternally if we continue in salvation. Repentance is an integral part of our walk with God. We must repent of these dead works or death-producing works if we are to find life. You say, well, I want life. Well, the only way to get life is to repent of dead works and remove yourself from dead works and walk into the light. You got to get out of darkness and walk in the light. Praise God. And so repentance is a deep thing. Repentance is, is an action. It produces something. And I, I want to give you some case studies because there's, there's some individuals in Scripture that reveal to us the attitude. Let's look at Jacob. Jacob in Genesis chapter 35, when he's returning to Bethel and Esau is coming to meet him and he knows that, that, that things are going to get very, very interesting and he wants his heart and his life to be right. And so he commands his household to do three things. He tells them before this meeting and he's coming to Bethel, the house of God. That's what, that's what Bethel means, the house of God, this place that he's coming to, the house of God. And there is a confrontation that is going to take place. And so he tells his family to do three things. Number one, put away the strange gods from among you. In other words, Jacob is saying we need to remove anything from our lives that separates us from God. If there are distractions and things uh, at this moment in time, this is serious matter. Remove those things from your life. Number two, be clean. He tells them that they need to cleanse themselves from the filthiness of the flesh. And so he tells them, remove the gods, be clean. And then he says, change your garments. In other words, lay aside the garments of sin and, and, and put on a different attitude. Praise God. Put off the garments of sin and clothe yourself with salvation so you can see some action here. As Jacob is entering into this moment in time in his life, he instructs his family to do these things because in his mind, these are things that are important. They're action. It's repentance. Amen. And God works in his behalf. Esau recognizes this is not the same man that was a deceiver. This is somebody that is different. He recognizes that Jacob has been with God. And so there's some things that he does. 
Let's look at Nineveh. Nineveh, that vast city of Assyria, repented at the preaching of Jonah the prophet. They were wicked. They were so wicked that Jonah didn't even want to go preach to them because he had in his mind that there is no way possible that they would ever repent. These people, when Jonah comes to the shore and starts preaching repentance, they did several things, fascinating things. Number one, they fasted. Not just humans, but humans and beasts did without food for three days, and they expressed their genuine contrition. They repented in sackcloth and ashes. They turned from their evil way. And this is the true essence of repentance. They turned from the actions that they were doing. They had a reputation. They were known for being very, very wicked. And so when Jonah starts preaching repentance to them, they turn from their evil way. This really is the true essence of repentance. You can't keep doing the same stuff that you're doing and expect the favor of God to be on your life. Amen. You've got to repent from that and turn from it and do another course of action. Praise God. They turned from their evil way. They turned from the violence that was in their hands. And as a result, God saw their repentant spirit and he spared them. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 27, Daniel explained true repentance to the king. And he said this, he said to the king, break off thy sins by righteousness. That's an interesting phraseology. Break off sin by doing what is right. Nebuchadnezzar, repentance is stop your unrighteousness and break off your sins by doing what is right. Secondly, he said, break off thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. In other words, your actions to other people should reflect your repentance. And then he said, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility, repentance will operate in this area in your life. And then another case study, the last one, Isaiah, one of Israel's greatest prophets. He gave insight into repentance in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord and call on him. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous forsake his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. In other words, you need to seek the Lord and call on him. You need to forsake the sin in your life. You need to forsake the thoughts that are plaguing your mind. And you need to return to the Lord. Praise God. The result of these types of repentance is that God will abundantly pardon you. We serve a God that responds to repentance. Amen. I said we serve a God that responds to repentance. Repentance is not a negative. It's a positive. Because when you come to God in repentance, God's going to respond to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. If that's the case, then I want to lift my hands and say, God, forgive me of, of things that I've done or haven't done. The psalmist said, keep me from presumptuous sins. Things I don't even know about, God, forgive me because I want you to produce something in my life that is full of goodness and righteousness that is holy. It's not my own righteousness. They are as filthy rags, but it's an action of blessing. Praise God in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. And when you repent of dead works, 
There is something that repentance produces in you. See, it's not just a negative, but it's also a positive. Because when you repent, it produces something worthy in your life. Some things a person will do that discriminate, that demonstrates true repentance. One of the things is restitution. And sometimes this, this gets very, very interesting. Somebody comes to God and they truly repent and they lay it all out and it includes all these things that we have talked to. There's a depth to it. It's not just worldly sorrow. Another component of that is restitution. And I have, I've been with people that have had to go to jail and serve jail time because they're trying to get their life in order. And, man, that's... Uh, that's quite an experience because God is doing these things and things are happening and things are working. And then all of a sudden, you've got to help somebody understand this, this, this is just part of it. This is part of it. This isn't, this is something that you need to do. You know, sometimes God clears the decks. That happened just recently with an individual by the name of Caleb. He went to the judge with all kinds of stuff that was supposed to be taken care of. And the judge said, you know what? I can see you're trying to do what's right. So I'm just going to clear the deck. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's exciting. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it happens where they say, you got to worn out for your rest and you're going to serve 15 days. We'll see you in the morning. Well, pastor, I thought God was doing things in my life. What in the world is going on? Why am I having to face this? How am I going to even do this? Hallelujah. Well, that's where you have to trust in the word of God and say, you know what? You do what you need to do because God's going to produce results in your life because you're taking care of the stuff that needs to be taken care of. And you got to do this. Well, why do I have to do this? I'll tell you one reason. One of the reasons is these are the consequences to sin. And it needs to be so bad that you won't ever do it again because you recognize I don't want to live that lifestyle. I don't want to go back to that lifestyle. I thought I was past this, but I'm going to trust God that on the other side of this, God is going to bring me out of here. Amen. Sometimes the consequences of wrong deeds and action and sin needs to be such a blow to the head that it causes us to say, I'm not doing that again. Praise God. And to do it again would be, would, would be insanity because you recognize and understand that caused a lot of pain and it caused a lot of anguish and it caused a lot of sufferings and there was a ripple effect because that's how sin works sin I abhor sin you know why because it destroys it taints it kills it destroys it assassinates we should be against sin we should preach against sin we should rise up against sin we should rise up against wickedness because it is destructive it destroys. Praise God. You need to get something in your spirit that says, I'm going to abhor sin, but I'm going to cleave to that which is good. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for the peace of God. I'm thankful for the long suffering of God. And that is much better than the wages of sin. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so repentance and, and producing Action sometimes includes restitution, restoring stolen things to the proper owner, paying for the damages caused to others. 
and mending damaged relationships through a confession of wrongdoing. This is repentance. Praise God. Sometimes you just, you, you need to go to somebody and you need to say, you know what, I was wrong. Wasn't in my right mind. Wasn't thinking right. I was allowing the wages of sin to work. I was wrong. But thank God for God's mercy. Praise God and his forgiveness. Somebody comes to you and their heart is right and they ask forgiveness of you. You better, you better forgive them. I know you may be hurt and it may be deep, deep wounds, but you better forgive them. You say, well, how dare you say that, Pastor? I'll tell you how dare I say that. It's because Jesus is going to forgive you of every rotten, scoundrel thing that you've ever done. Praise God. When you don't deserve it, he's the one that has forgiven you. Therefore, it's my responsibility to respond in the same way. Amen. Praise God. Everybody has been hurt at times. Praise God. But an attitude of true repentance is, 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 is full of depth. Praise God. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes you need to recognize this, this, this is not in my note. This is totally for free, but sometimes you need to recognize who it is or what it is that produce the hurt in you and recognize I need to be very, very careful because if I get it into my spirit and it becomes something that is so contentious in my spirit, I'll fail to recognize the people that hurt me and the situation that hurt me. It's not the, it's not the people over here. Because we'll transfer where we're hurt over here onto people that are innocent. I'm big enough to handle that because I've been in ministry long enough to, are you really upset with me or what's the real problem here? The real problem is probably not me. I think the real problem goes back over here somewhere with some other people that have crazy things, but I'm not the problem. I'm trying to help you. I'm praying for you. I'm supporting you. I'm on your side. That's called transference. When we transfer things onto people that are innocent, this happens in relationships, it happens in families, and it can happen, it may even happen today. You got up on the wrong side of the bed, you knocked your head on something, you stepped on a Lego, you were late to work, your boss got upset with you, things fell apart, contracts fell apart, you got home, the food was burnt, and so you took it out on your family, you were short with your kids, your wife, you chewed her head off, and she can't figure out what in the world's going on. It's because you transferred stuff onto people that are innocent people. <laughs> Praise God. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? If you're sitting there smug, we all do it. There have been some times I have to tell my wife, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you, Brother Raymond yeah, thank you for helping me out. All the other husbands like, not me. Not me. Right? Praise God. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, John the Baptist, he looked at the Pharisees that came out to hear his preaching, and he said, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. And so that means something that is suitable. 
something that's proper, something that is fitting, something that is appropriate, something that is worthy, something that is becoming. True repentance is going to produce that fruit in your life. Acts chapter 26 and verse 20, repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Or in other words, produce fruit. Luke chapter 3 and verse 8, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. The word worthy in this verse means the same as meet in Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 8. Paul, when he was testifying to Agrippa about being called of God in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 18, he said, God called me to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul said, I came to God in repentance and God produced worthy fruit in my life that called individuals from darkness to light, that pulled them from the power of Satan, that gave them forgiveness of sins and provided to them an inheritance which are sanctified by faith through my ministry. God produced something worthy out of my repentance on the road to Damascus. I turned around from where I was going and what I was doing and instead of persecuting I started preaching. Instead of threatening, I started encouraging because repentance produced worthy elements in my life. Praise God. My goodness, look at all these scriptures on repentance. Some of these would be great to memorize. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. Repent ye and believe the gospel. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should Come to repentance. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, but now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 25, God peradventure will give them repentance. Luke chapter 13 verse 3, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, godly sorrow worketh repentance. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent. Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted. Lastly, Acts chapter 11 verse 18. God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Amen. The scripture is very, very clear. Repentance is something that is foundational in your spiritual walk with God. You have to have belief. You have to have a faith. But then repentance comes in that produces an action in your life. Somebody say repentance. Amen. Repentance is a powerful thing. Jesus talked about repentance. Paul talked about repentance. Peter preaches repentance. And we should still preach and teach and testify that this is 
part of a new birth experience. Repentance is identifying with Jesus' death. It's an action that says I'm putting to death the dead works in my life and I'm going to arise and walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. I want to know here tonight with somebody, have you repented of your sins? And if you repented of your sins, what happened? What happened was there were some things that was produced in your life. When you repent, you get the results that you were looking for, and that is God forgives you. Hallelujah. I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad with a load of sin, but when I repented, the result was he forgave me. Hallelujah. Sins I didn't want anybody to know about, and when I repented, he forgave me. Hallelujah. When you came to God, there was a long laundry list of sin in your life, but when you repented of your sins, God forgave you. Amen. That's the results. That's the results is that God forgives us. Praise God. As musicians come here tonight, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians 2.13, you have he quickened, having forgiven you of all trespasses. Every trespass. When you repented, he forgave you of all your trespasses. Acts chapter 5 and verse 31, him hath God exalted for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. Praise God. I just have a question here tonight. Are you thankful that God has forgiven you? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes people are cruel and they, they don't forget and they, they won't forgive you. But there is one that has forgiven you of every trespass <laughs> and every sin. You ought to have a smile on your face in the house of God because of his mercy and his goodness that forgives us of every trespass and sin when we come to him in repentance. Hallelujah. You say, well, I don't know what the big deal is. Oh, you know, you would know what the big deal is if you had a lot of, Sister Lisa, if you had a lot of sins, you would absolutely know what the big deal is because you recognize. When everybody else gave up and walked away and said there was no way that I could ever get out of my situation and my circumstances and that heavy load of sin and wickedness that I was carrying around and the shame and the guilt. Hallelujah. But I came to the house of God and lifted my hands and in true repentance, God produced something in my life called forgiveness. Praise God. Salvation is not complete at repentance. Amen. You must go on to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost will come upon your life to empower you and give you strength. Praise God. But repentance is absolutely essential step in your walk and in your life before God. Praise God. I, I want us just for a moment right here to lift up our hands and thank God for his forgiveness and strength and anointing. Lord, I thank you and praise you. I worship you. I thank you that there is an identity with you, with your death, 
Amen. Repentance is an action that is a godly sorrow. It's got depth to it. It's not just a worldly sorrow. Praise God. But it is a godly sorrow. Praise God. Amen. So I preach tonight repentance to the unbeliever. You need to repent from dead works in your life. Amen. But it also helps the believers because after we are born again, there will be times of failure and mistakes and sin. And we have to deal with that sin and wrongdoing in our lives just as we did before salvation by repentance. We are to be overcomers. We are to live free from sin. We are to live above sin. But in reality, sometimes we come short of our goal. Nevertheless, we are not to continue in sin or commit them over and over. Amen. But we handle our failures through repentance. Amen. Job prayed for his friends and God accepted his prayer for them and he turned the captivity of Job and he made him prosperous again. There are ways that we can be reconciled to our brother. We can learn how to handle trespasses against us. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Praise God. As a believer, I need repentance operating in my life. Amen. As we stand together in our prayer, when we pray, Jesus said that we are to ask for forgiveness. Amen. Praise God. Nothing can supersede or replace repentance in our life. It is God's command. It is our duty and it is our privilege. Amen. And some of the parables that Jesus talked about, he said repentance is what produces joy in heaven. Amen. If repentance produces joy in heaven, it should produce joy here in the church when somebody repents of their sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. Whatever may happen to us in life, we must always keep a repentant and forgiving spirit alive in our hearts. And that's what we need to conclude and pray for tonight. Amen. Is that God keeps a repentant and forgiving spirit alive in my heart. Amen. As they prepare to sing, let's lift up our hands and our voice. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Hallelujah. I thank you for the power in your word. Amen. Words that we have read tonight bring great strength and anointing and power. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let there be a depth to my prayer and my walk. Thank you, Lord. Keep my heart right. Let me have a repentant heart and a forgiving spirit. Praise God. I thank you and praise you. Praise you.